0: The valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death, or as we called it, the valley of the shadow of death. That's what we call the grassy area between the art building and the girls' dormitory at Furman University. The valley of the shadow of death, because once the weather started warming up a little bit, This little green grassy area, this little valley right in between the art building and the girls' dormitory was the perfect place for sunbathers who would lay out in the grass and soak up the rays. And for this group of Christian young men who were in a Bible study together, we discussed the... The struggle that we had walking near that area and and and, and having to avert our eyes and and, and try not to fall into temptation of lust and uh, you know all the all the things that go along with that. Our Bible study was filled with conversations about the struggle. How do we resist the temptation? How can we keep our internet browsing free of pornography? How can we honor God in our relationships with the opposite sex? how 's it going? Those were the kinds of conversations that we had in our, men, in our young men 's Bible study in college. And one question was, why do I always seem to find a way to cut through the valley of the shadow of death? i, I, I don 't know why i don 't know why. It just always seems like my path goes that when i 'm walking across, I just happen to, I'm, I end up there i don 't know why, but I happen to be there and It's funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. Because the struggle is real. The struggle with sin and temptation is real. Now, I know, I know, most people would say, what's the big deal? All right? Most people would say, oh, come on, uh, you need to enjoy yourself while you're young. Don't worry about temptation. Don't, 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 Don't worry about all that stuff. Just enjoy yourself. God wants you to be happy, right? See, that's what the world wants to tell you, and that's what the world wants to tell me, and that's what our our own sinful nature wants to tell us. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. That's the mindset of the world that we live in, isn't it? But as believers in Christ, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we serve a different master. God has brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Where faithfulness matters, where truth matters, where purity matters, where beauty is honored and not gawked at. The things that once seemed harmless, we recognize, actually, in the long run, bring death. The things that we thought were harmless, that were no big deal, in the long run, we we realize that they bring death. And, and so God calls us into a battle, into a war with sin. That's what the scripture is about today. The struggle is real. As we continue reading in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul begins to open up. Uh, You know he's been talking about uh, sin, and then he talked about grace, and then he talked about the law, and now he's beginning to open up in chapter seven, and he's telling us about his own struggle with sin. The apostle, the missionary Paul, he's telling us how real this struggle is, and he and and he's going to encourage us today with two strategies. For how we can face this fight. For how we can enter into this struggle. Two strategies. The first one is this. The first strategy he's going to talk about is to flip on the light. The first strategy is to flip on the light. Let's look at uh, chapter 7 beginning at verse 7. It's going to be printed on the screen right behind me. It begins with these words. What shall we say? I love that. He's like, he already, he's, he's like, what do we say? What are we going to do? Right? That's the attitude coming into this. What shall we say that the law is sin? By no means, he says, yet if, I had not, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Verse 9, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, when the commandment came, sin came alive in me, he's saying. Sin came alive in me and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Verse 11, for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy. The commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which was good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin. Producing death in me through what was good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. (laughs) What it is and through the commandment might become sinful beyond all measure. In other words, that I could see it for what it is. The law helps us to see it. The law flips on the light. Okay, Uh, That's the point of all of that. The law flips on the light. Our house in Greenville had a cockroach problem. Our house in Greenville had a cockroach problem. And I know some of you may struggle with this too. It's 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 a pain. The cockroaches in the South are everywhere. If you're not from the South, you don't know how hard it is because you they're like your, they're like at some point they're just your pets. You know, you just say, okay. You start naming them. When you start naming them, you know you've you've accepted it. But our house <laughs> y'all don't name your cockroaches. Okay, good. Our house in Greenville had a cockroach problem, and I'm telling you, we sprayed We bombed it, we called the exterminator, and nothing worked. And I used to hate to walk into the kitchen at night, and I would flip on that switch. And when you flip on that switch, you know, they scatter, they're going everywhere, right? And thankfully, maybe there wasn't more than maybe at one time, very many, I won't say how many, but there wasn't more than, you know, y'all know what I'm saying, When you turn on the light switch, you you know how it is. When When you turn on the light switch, the roaches scatter. The law is like that. The law is like the light switch for our souls. Okay? The law is a light switch for our souls. When we hear the law for the first time, when we really hear it, when the Spirit has renewed your mind and you hear the law for the first time, the light switch goes on. And we can see the sin lurking in the shadows or maybe out there in the middle of the floor. Paul gives us an example in these verses. He mentions one of the commandments. Does anybody know which commandment he mentions? Which is it? One of you young people, which commandment does he mention? Anybody? Coveting, right. You shall not covet. Does anybody know what number that is? 10, right. Number 10. So he mentions the 10th of the 10 commandments You shall not covet. Now remember, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he grew up in church, like you guys, right? He grew up in church. He knew the right thing to do, the, the, the wrong thing to do. He knew this law since he was in diapers You shall not covet. And as he grew up, he became a teacher of the law. He became what's called a Pharisee. And see, Paul not only knew the law, but he was devoted to his life. He devoted his life to actually obey the law. But what's interesting is he says, he says, there was a time when I was alive apart from the law. That's strange, right? Because he Knew the law his whole life. He was raised on it. But what he's saying is, there was a point in my life, pretty much his whole life, until his coming to Jesus, where he knew the law, but he did not know the law. Okay? He never really understood the law. You see, he was so focused on the commandments that he could keep superficially, externally, like no idols. Well, I've never made an idol. I've never crafted an idol, right? No murder, I, I've never killed anybody, right? No adultery, never done that, right? No stealing, nope, never, never, never stole nothing, right? He, he can go down the list of the Ten Commandments, check, 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 because all of them, all nine of them, can be performed externally except for the last one, number ten. Number 10 cannot be performed externally. Thou shalt not covet. You see, the, the, the tenth commandment tripped him up. The, the tenth commandment hit different. Because it can't be kept externally. You see, the coveting is a matter of the heart, right? It's a desire. It's something on the inside, and he, and he realized that he couldn't keep his desires in check. He realized that, yes, I cannot murder, I cannot steal, I cannot commit adultery, I cannot make an idol, but I can't not covet. And he says when the command came to him, he realized for the first time that he was full of coveting, that he was full of envy, That he was full of jealousy. That he was full of bitterness and discontentment. It says it produced all manner of covetousness right, in him. When he finally heard the law, when that light switch finally came on for Paul, this command really hit him hard. The struggle is real for Paul at this point. The struggle with sin is real. Why? Because sin is deceiving us. Sin is hiding in the shadows of your soul, lurking in the dark, infesting your mind and your heart and your will. But when the law of God comes into your life, when you hear the law, when you really hear it, it brings clarity. It brings light to the stuff that's actually going on. Paul tells us in the scripture here that the law comes in order that sin might be shown to be sin. Right? That sin might be shown to be no big deal. No. That it might be shown to be sin. That's what the law does. Okay? It it convicts us when we really hear it. Now, I've got a warning for you. I'm about to flip on a light switch for you, so if you don't want any light flitches swipped on for you, flip. I can't even talk. If you don't want any light switches flipped on for you, then you can just leave right now. Just turn off the video. At least this was for me. I'll, I'll share one for you. You know, Paul, he shares about coveting. That wasn't really one of the things I wanted to share, but I'll share this with you. When I was in high school, if you wanted to listen to music, you had to actually drive to the mall, go into the record store, purchase an album, a CD, $15 a pop, right, for 10, 12 songs, and then go home and listen to it on your CD player or in your car on your CD player. That's what that's how you had to do This could get really expensive, right? It could get really expensive to get a decent music collection. Around the time that I graduated high school you could transfer your CDs that you had purchased to your computer. And you could create what were called MP3s. (laughs) This magical new thing called an MP3. Then they came out with CD burners. So my new computer, I could actually take my MP3s and I could put them onto a disc and I could put them in my car. I could create a mixtape. I could do whatever I want with it. And what happened is some entrepreneurial friends at school would burn discs and they would bring these discs to school and sell them for like a dollar right like cheap cheap music you could get all this great music for a dollar you know or or sometimes your friend would even give you music and so you began collecting all of this music that you didn't buy then came the internet within a a couple of years. Then came the internet. Then came a wonderful program called Napster. Have you ever heard of Napster? Some of you guys are my age. You know Napster. Some of you are like, Napster, what is that? I have no idea what this is. All right. Napster was an app. It was an online mp3 music sharing service. Basically what it was is if your neighbor had a CD next door, they could bring you a copy of their CD. But now with the internet, your neighbors are everywhere, right? Your neighbors are worldwide. And so it was the same thing. It was just like sharing with your neighbor, but now my neighbor lives in California. Right? Now my neighbor lives in Canada. And so when when, when Napster hit, we began to download music, and you could any song you could think of. I mean, any, back, even back old, old music, you could find it on Napster and you could download it to your computer for free. Incredible. But here's the thing. Napster didn't last very long. In, the, in March of the year 2000, heavy metal band Metallica and rap producer Dr. Dre sued Napster for copyright infringements. Why? Because... All this music was getting out for free, right? copyright infringements. So they sued Napster, and the courts determined that copying and sharing digital music was against the law, that it was stealing. Napster was forced out of business and completely bankrupt by 2002 because basically everything they were doing was illegal. They had no viable business model. When I heard the news about Napster, I was in college, when I heard the news about Napster, I realized for the first time that I had been stealing music for years. That I had been stealing music for years, and I had no idea. I didn't know. I was in the dark. But when the law came, When the law came and the law said, no, this is stealing, then my eyes were open to it. Now, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that when the kitchen light comes on? Am I going to name the cockroaches? I mean, I had collected hundreds, if not thousands of MP3s over the years, both from burning friends' discs and from Napster. And as a young Christian, the Holy Spirit was convicting me about this truth. That I was stealing, that I had stolen all of this stuff. I was conv- my sin was exposed. I felt guilty. I felt convicted. I couldn't even listen to my music anymore. Because every time I started playing it, I was like, well, I know I didn't buy this. And so I wanted to make excuses, right? I wanted to say... I mean, I wasn't really going to buy this music anyway, so they're not really losing money from me because I wasn't going to buy it anyway, but I'm going to enjoy it, right? Okay, what's the big deal? The artists and the music producers are rich, you know, they don't need my money, what's the harm? And then this was crazy because we would think it's just digital, right? It's just, it's not even a real thing. It's not a CD. It's, it's digital. It's, it's hardly even real. So what can be the big deal about having it on my hard drive or on my MP3 player? And another thing was to say, well, why would they even make the technology available if, if it's... right? Why would they even allow me to do this? You know, like as if, you know, gun man- manufacturers make gun. You know what I'm saying. We came up with all kinds of excuses. Some of you are still making those excuses today. I know I am in some ways. Because now it's not Napster. Now it's the uh, jailbroken uh, fire stick. Right? It's, it's... okay, I'm going to stop meddling. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Eventually, because God was convicting me of my sin, because the law came in and revealed it to me, I, did, I deleted all of that illegal music. I did. And I'm not telling you that because I'm proud of myself because I'm so holy. No, that's not it. I'm telling you because the struggle is real. The struggle is real. I had some friends who, uh, you know, went out and burned music. that They threw CDs in the fire that they thought was secular music and this and that. That wasn't why I got rid of my music. I got rid of my music because it was stolen. I'm still tempted to find a way to watch movies for free that are pirated, that, aren't, that I didn't pay for. I'm still tempted by that. And maybe you are too. Like I said, sometimes the law comes in and flips a switch on y'all. Do you think widespread stealing has had no effect on our culture? Do you wonder... Why people can storm the Capitol building with impudence? Do you wonder why such things can happen in the world? Because we make little compromises, don't we? Constantly. We make little compromises constantly. And God says, I want to shine the light on what's happening so my people can walk in truth and righteousness. The struggle is real. Don't let anybody tell you different. It's real. The first strategy God gives us here is to flip on the lights. The second strategy uh, follows that. The second strategy is stand your ground. The second strategy is stand your ground. Look with me at verse 14 through 25. It should be on the screen behind me. Paul continues this and he says, For we know that the law is spiritual. That means it's It's a gift from the spirit. The law is spiritual. But I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me its captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. How do we fight against sin? We, God says, stand your ground. Stand your ground. What would you do if you encountered a bear? What would you do if you encountered a bear in the woods? I think I've got a picture of a bear. What would you do if you encountered a bear in the woods? Most people most people would do what? Run, right? Okay. That would be wrong. Okay? That would be wrong. That would be wrong. It can trigger a chase response in the bear. He's faster than you. He can climb a tree faster than you. If you run, you're inviting yourself to dinner. You're inviting yourself to be dinner, (laughs) right? You're inviting yourself to be dinner if you run. Wilderness experts suggest that you try to walk away slowly, but if the bear notices you and becomes aggressive, then you stand your ground. You make yourself look big, as big as you possibly can. You get up on your toes, you clap your hands, you make loud noises, you shout at the bear, you stand your ground, and you continue to back up. Okay? Why? Because that is how you face a beast like that. That is how you face a beast who is coming after you. If you want to survive, you have to act decisively. You have to fight. You have to resist. You have to stand your ground. The struggle is real. Sin dwells in you like a bear, like a beast. In verses 14 through 20, Paul is describing his own struggle with sin. Do you, did you feel it as I was reading it? I mean, it is hard to read. It's actually, it's actually hard to read <laughs> because it's a struggle. I think, I think it's intentional. It's, it's hard to read because it's hard to live. That struggle that he's experiencing with temptation, with sin, with the desires that are conflicting within him with the flesh and the spirit. He's saying that it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle that you have to face. Paul describes it in verse 21 as a law. He says, yeah, we've got the law of God, but we've got another law. He says, i got this other law, sin. What's a law? What's a law? A law is a principle that cannot be avoided. Think about gravity. Okay, gravity is a law of nature, right? You can't avoid gravity. It's baked into creation, You can't, you know, you're working on your vertical leap and you you exercise and you do box jumps and you do as much work as you can, strength training, but what goes up must come down. What goes up must come down because there's a law at work. You struggle against the law, you push against the law, and it is always at work. It is always pulling on you. That is how sin is. Sin is a law, he says. It's a law that is always at work. It's always with you. What does he say? He says, he says, right here, I see in my members, verse 23, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive. He says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but in my members, another law is at work. is right there. I'm pressing against it. I'm standing against it, but it's always there. It's always there. The struggle with sin is always going to be there. He describes his struggle in verse 18. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I tried. I love that song, uh, I Tried. You know, y'all know that song is an old song. I'm, man, I'm back, in the, I'm back in the 2000s today in my sermon. I apologize. But um, I tried so hard. Bone thugs and harmony, I think. I, tr- I tried so hard. You remember that song? I tried so hard. The struggle is real. He says in verse 19, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Do you feel that? Do you experience that struggle that you know the right thing to do, but you just you keep on doing the wrong? I do, too. And so does the Apostle Paul. He feels that struggle. Some this is crazy, OK? Some interpreters in, in the church in, in his, today and in, in the church history, some interpreters of this passage have struggled to accept that this could be Paul speaking in the present tense that as a missionary as an accomplished pastor and missionary and as a preacher of the gospel as a man who has changed and changing the world they cannot accept many cannot accept that he is saying i know that nothing good dwells in me now in the flesh now in the present in the moment for i have Present tense, the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do, present tense, the good I want. Some Christian interpreters just can't even fathom that. They, they, so they think, they think, no, he's talking about his life before he became a Christian. I'm here today to tell you that that is not true. He is speaking in the present tense and it doesn't even the struggle doesn't even make any sense if he's not a christian it doesn't even make why would he be struggling with sin if he's not a christian right it's it's just because we don't think christians can struggle it's because we don't think that we don't think that we can discuss our sin and here's the apostle paul right in the middle of this incredible letter to the church at rome saying in many different ways, I'm struggling, y'all. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with temptation. And it wasn't just back when I was in college. It's today. Paul is expressing the struggle that mature believers have. Not newbies only. But mature believers have this struggle. And he says, I am not ashamed to discuss my struggle with sin. So, so, so listen, you can stop running from your sin. Stop running from that bear. Right? Stop pretending that it doesn't exist. Many of us have grown up in a church believing that Christians are not allowed to struggle. That if you are weak, if you need to ask for help, that you are somehow less than. And that's the culture of the American church, unfortunately. That we have, as a whole, we have taught one another these lies. That you got to have your act together to come around church. That you got to do everything just right, that you got to delete your entire collection of music before you come to church. Okay, that, do not hear me saying that today. All right. I'm not saying that. I'm saying struggle. What God is saying is struggle with it. Are you convicted about pirating video? video are you convicted about pirating Netflix? Okay. Struggle with it. Fight the bear that is sin within you. Don't hide from it. Face it. Be honest. Look, Paul ends this whole thing by saying, wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. He really is feeling it. He is feeling his inability to do good. He is feeling his inability to get his stuff together. Why else would he say, wretched man that I am? He's not posturing. He's not impressing anybody by calling himself a wretch. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch. I mean, there's not, there's not a word in English that does a better job of communicating the struggle with sin than the word wretch. that saved a wretch like me. The Holy Spirit has come into your life. The law of God has flipped on the light switches so that we can see sin for what it is. Sin, right? Not something to just laugh at or pass by or turn the lights back off to name them, but to see it for what it really is and to feel that you can't do it. You need to feel that you can't conquer your sin because you can't. And neither can I. Even the most righteous person, the most holiest person, their best deeds are but filthy rags before a holy God. Filthy rags So Paul says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me from this mess that I'm in, from this constant failure to not be able to live up to my own standard, much less God's? Who will deliver me? And he says immediately, right? He says immediately, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Savior. Immediately, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Because that salvation is what we need. Not getting it all together, but the salvation is what we need. Because what happens is that the salvation is what actually transforms you. The salvation is what actually gives you a new reason to live. The salvation, the acceptance of God by His grace, is what actually empowers you to say no to sin and to fight sin. Remember, we talked about it last week. It, don't get it twisted, right? Don't get it backwards. It's not that you uh, stop sinning so you can be accepted. It's that you've been accepted so you can stop sinning. The acceptance comes first. The grace comes first. and then, Then we can, then we can resist. Then we can flip on the lights and not be afraid of what we will find. Then we can take our stand against our enemy who has already been defeated in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Be encouraged, be encouraged. You don't have to pretend to be perfect, not at this church. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. We know the truth anyway, right? the struggle is real and God is enough let's pray together Lord thank you for this word this is a good word this is a good word because this is a wonderful reminder that we are not sufficient but you are this is such a good reminder that we can be imperfect and ourselves and struggle and maybe not have it all figured out We can be right up in your presence. We can be mature believers who still fall flat on our faces. Thank you, Lord, for your acceptance. Thank you that you are at work in us, that you are not finished yet, but that you are at work, that you are moving us and molding us and shaping us into your image. And Lord, we do desire to do good We desire to do good, but we struggle. We struggle. So Lord, help us. Help us in our struggle to not lose heart, but to trust you to be our our redeemer and our savior. In Christ's name we ask by the power of your spirit. Father, we love you. Amen.